Father God, we just thank you right now that you're going to give us a supernatural revelation. Revelation, Lord God. That's what we need tonight. Lord, we don't want to hear just, just anything. We want your word, your truth unveiled. Lord God, that it becomes a reality in our spirit, in our mind, and in our body. Lord, we just pray, God, that miracles would take place here. As we come, Lord God, and study your word, and as we study your word, Lord God, we know that faith arises. So let faith, faith, God, rise up in this house. Without it, we can't please you. With it, we can, Lord God. Lord, we want to be found in your pleasure this night. We want to walk in your truth. We want to live your truth. We want to live in your victory, Lord God. And we know, Lord, your instructions from your word through revelation can help us do just that. So make it possible, we pray, as we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. I love to pray that prayer because I pray it in my study. I pray it when I'm out walking. I pray it all the time because I know the word of God and the word of God is true. And the word of God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we can't please God without faith, but we can walk into all that God has for us. And we can experience and appropriate all that Jesus has provided for us by faith. So I need to work on my faith. I need to encourage my faith. I need to feed my faith. I need to stir my faith. I need to water my faith. I need you to help me encourage my faith. I'm going to help you encourage your faith so that our faith will stay on the surface and help us live this victorious life that God has called us to live. Amen? Amen. In our uh, Seek God for the City, we're on day 20, or it's March the 22nd, which is also day 22 of our 40 days prayer and fasting. And uh, today we're praying for God to, uh, with our leaders, that they would uh, seek truth, that they would know truth, that they would serve and lead by truth. And that a great prayer to pray that all the leaders in America and all the leaders in the world would lead by God's truth, not just, not just of what their desire is, but the truth of God's word. I think it's a great prayer. We're also praying for Africa on behalf of Africa. And we've got a list of the uh, nations there that we'd be praying for. It's in your book on page 38. And then we're seeking God for business people. And it talks about in our prayer walk that we can pray and walk and pray over businesses. And we need our businesses. How many of you in here are in business? How many of you in here, thank God, they're businesses that take care of stuff that you can call on? Amen. Uh, how many of you have been to the grocery store in the last month? That's a business. Amen. And thank God we have grocery stores. Thank God we have businesses. We've got gas stations. We've got, we've got mechanics to help us keep these machines going. We've got uh, people to help us keep our heating and air conditioning, which it doesn't know which one we're going to be using. Uh, in, in the same day, you'll be using both of them here lately. So we need somebody skilled in all things. Amen. So uh, pray for our businesses. But let's continue to pray together, uh, activating the exponential of God through unity and this uh, prayer book is helping us unite our prayers together in these uh, 40 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, whatever you're fasting, how many of you having great success? Great success. Oh, I've got a couple of hands. How many of you having mediocre success? Okay. How many of you are having, you're just going to call it success? And we're not going to qualify it. How many of you failed? Don't raise your hand because it's not over. You've not failed. Jump back in. Amen. There was a uh, first grade uh, Sunday school teacher, Miss Geraldine, 
And Miss Geraldine, she loved her kids, and she was so excited that she was going to be teaching this Sunday. She was on a rotation schedule, and she got those first graders in there, and she said, I have a question here. I'm going to ask you. This is what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to see who can guess it. We're going to talk about something today that's very, very bad. It's so bad that it breaks the heart of God. It's, it's just bad. And it's something that everybody does. Who can guess what it is? It starts with an S, and it's three letters. And little Tommy says, it's sex, it's sex. And uh, she said, no, no, it's not sex. It's sin, sin, oh my. So here Miss Geraldine, Geraldine's teaching those first graders on sin. You know, the Word of God has a lot to say about sin. 21st century doesn't talk about sin much anymore. I don't even know if the church talks about sin much anymore, but we need to have an understanding of what true sin is so that we can, we can identify it, we can avoid it, and we can repent when it is in our lives. You know, some people say, well, sin is a big, bad boo-boo. It's something you do that's really bad. And, I mean, it's like murder or it's something like that. Uh, but you know what? We kind of justify and just kind of look over and say, ah, oh, but that little that lie, that little half-truth, that was just a white lie. That was just a little sin. See, we have a tendency to qualify sin, say this is a big sin, this is a little sin. Did you know the little things really matter? And the Bible says the small foxes is what spoils the vine. And uh, I know Lockheed Martin, they had a little mistake that cost them $70 million. Could you imagine making a little tiny mistake that cost you $70 million? They'd done a contract for the new C-130Js uh, upgrade from the Hercules and this military transport plane. And in the contract, they misplaced the comma. See that little old comma over there? Just they misplaced the comma in their numbers and dealing with inflation, how they were going to deal with inflation. The contract was going to rise or fall depending on inflation. The comma was in the wrong place and it cost them $70 million. Wow. How many of you have ever made a little mistake that made a big impact on your life? Let me tell you what. Sin, no matter what size it is, it is so important that we not just cover it over and pretend it's nothing. Uh, I, I like a saying I heard in Bible college, and I've said it so many times since then, and this is what I say about sin. Sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go. It will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. And it will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. That's the nature of sin. Do you get that? You think it's just going to be this little violation, this little uh, 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 doing something that you shouldn't be doing. And it's really kind of innocent, but it will always, always take you farther than you wanted to go. And then you think, well, I'm just going to dabble and then I'm going to jump out. No, it's going to keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And let me tell you what, it will always cost you more than you wanted to pay. Sin is a serious thing. And we need to make sure that we in our lives see the seriousness of it and understand that this is not something that we want to partner with. This is not something we want to cover for. This is not something we want to continue in our life. So we ask the question then, what is sin? What is sin? Anybody, any answers from out here? Sin is, sin is that which makes us very silent when we talk about it. Okay. Sin is that which causes us to be very bashful. Okay. What is sin? That little boy 
he was very bold in, in that first grade Sunday school class. Anybody bold here? What is sin? Disobeying God. Missing the mark. Separation from God. Doing something that you know is wrong. Amen. Amen. Yes, most definitely. Anybody else? What is sin? Sin is sin. Okay, we can do that. Well, I think every one of you, what you said, fits right into two of the Greek words that we see in the New Testament that describe sin. We have two Greek words that, that uh, give us an understanding of sin. And the first one is a harmatano, and it means, as someone said, missing the mark, to miss the mark. Uh, it, it's an archer's term where they take back the bow and arrow and they, and they let it go and they miss the bullseye. They miss the mark. And that's harmartio. Uh, and uh, that, you know, that is uh, a definition that's used throughout the New Testament for sin. It means to wander from the right path or to wander from the law of God. Let me tell you what, I am encouraged every time we gather together and when we get together and we praise the Lord and we worship God and we study God's Word together and we hold each other accountable as brothers and sisters in Christ, it helps me stay on the path. How about you? Now you're a blessing to me. I hope I'm a blessing to you too that we help each other keep from wandering from the law of God and wandering from the right path and missing the mark. It keeps us on the path. Then there's this other word. It's a little more punch to it in the Greek. And that's a paraptomo. paraptomo and it means a lapse or a deviation from a known truth, a transgression, violation, or trespass. It's like violating a known law. You know there's a trespassing sign up, but you cross the fence anyway. You see, the, I, we were traveling here recently. I can't even remember where it was. And I said, do you think, uh, told the family, I said, do you think whoever owns this land wanted to communicate, they didn't want anybody on it. Every other tree, I've never seen this many trespass signs in my life. For, for about half a mile, every other tree had a, a new trespass sign on it, uh, no trespassing. And uh, so if they catch you on there, I guarantee you, you can't give them the excuse, I didn't know this was private property. But that's a paraptomo, means that you know something's wrong, you know that, but you trespass anyway. Um, whereas harmatano is I'm seeking to go after the right mark, but I just fell short of hitting the mark. So these are the two Greek words, and, and we could spend a lot of time going through the different scriptures and showing you one and the other and their use, usages there. But uh, let's go to harmatano, which we find in Romans 3.23. And what does the scripture say in Romans 3.23? If you memorize the Romans road to salvation... You know those scriptures in Romans that you can lead someone to the Lord? Starts out at Romans 3.23, For we've all, what? Sinned and fallen short, come short of the glory of God. And we know that it goes on in 6.23 to say the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, uh, what is it? It is the gift of God is salvation. The gift of God is forgiveness. The gift of God is the blood that His Son, Jesus Christ, shed to wash us and cleanse us and redeem us and justify us. Praise God. 
So, so we see that we've all missed the mark. We all were born in sin. That's why Jesus had to be born of a virgin because if He had been born of a, a natural man and woman coming together, He would have missed the mark just because of the Adamic nature that He was born with, that sin nature. So Jesus came to redeem us so that we don't always have to live our lives missing the mark. Now, I grew up a good old Baptist boy and, and uh, in a little town, First Baptist Church, and, and I think every deacon, when they would put out their cigarettes in the front, and us boys would be standing out there with them, and they'd put their cigarettes out to go in when the bell rang, and it was time to start church, and they'd all be talking out there. We all sin every day in word, thought, and deed. Every day we sin, word, thought, and deed. Uh, talking to my mama recently, and mama, I love you, mama, she said, that, that old Baptist just came out of her, just said, you know what? We sin every day in word, thought, and deed, so what does it really matter? I said, stop it, stop it. Yes, we've fallen short of the glory of God, but the goal of the Father God in sending His Son was to redeem us and that we, through the power of the Spirit of God, would pursue righteousness. Not just have this blank statement that we're not pursuing righteousness. We're, just, we're always missing the mark. We're always going to miss the mark. So we're not even trying. I want to talk to you tonight to help bring an awareness to you that when you choose to sin and let it be a casual part of your life, it's going to cost you something. Remember what I said. Sin will always, it will always keep you longer than you wanted to be held. It will require you more than you ever wanted to give. And it will cause great pain in your life. So we're to pursue righteousness. We're to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Not just using a blanket statement, we all sin every day in word, thought, and deed, and just living any old way. And when we sin, ah, it's covered by the blood of Jesus. You need to be careful living like that. There was too great of a price, too great of a sacrifice that was given for us to live like that. And the sacrifice He gave was to redeem us and that we might live a life empowered by Him through the sanctifying of the Spirit of God, separated and set upon to live and serve and honor God with a lifestyle that, that spreads the gospel rather than hinders the gospel. So let us look at some losses when a Christian is committed to sin. This is when a Christian says it's just not that big a deal. It's just, you know what, we're going to always sin. I'm not really working on identifying sin. I'm not really working on pursuing righteousness. If it happens, it happens. We see in the Scripture that when we are committed to a, a life of sin, you will, there will be a loss of light in our lives. 1 John 1, 6, he says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, this is Jesus, and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So what we do is we have to be committed to walk in the light of the fellowship of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to pursue righteousness. And when we do that, through God, his spirit, he leads us into the path of light which is the truth of God. So we're walking in His truth. And we know it is by His truth that we are set free. There's liberating power in the truth of God. So we cannot be casual about sin. We cannot... Let me tell you, we're in a day and an age where it's not only casual about sin, it actually celebrates sin. There is... Most television programs and sitcoms and things that are coming out for entertainment now, the majority of them are celebrating sin, not just tolerating sin. 
Now, that's a, that's a step much further from righteousness than when you tolerate sin. When you start celebrating it, you are embracing that which is opposite of God, which God says is darkness. And in darkness, every wicked thing happens. If you walk in darkness and you live your soul in darkness and you keep your mind in darkness and your body in darkness, Satan has access to you. Let me tell you what, Satan doesn't play fair. And he is out to kill, steal, and destroy. So we cannot make, give him access into our lives. We've got to turn the light on. We've got to walk in the light of the love and the truth of God's Word by repenting of our sin and standing against sin so that we, if it rises up, it's not a friend of ours. If we make a mistake, we are not happy about it or just you know, kind of half-hearted about it where our heart is broken over it and we repent before the Lord. So we've got to be careful in this 21st century, which is making it so, quote-unquote, cool to be out of the box and to be against God's Word, making, if God said up, you live down. If God says right, live left. If God says forward, we're going to live going backwards. Everything, that, that's what you're seeing in the society. And the church, let me tell you what, while we may be the last one to be tempted to, to go along with society, if we're not a standard bearer and if we're not a part, holding up the plumb line of God's Word in our own lives, what we're going to do is we're going to compromise, we're going to embrace it, and the next thing you know, we'll be demonstrating it. So we've got to hear truth. And truth is, there's a loss when you sin. When you're committed to sin and you're just like, I'm not standing against it, I, I'm, it's okay, it's just going to be a part of my life, you're going to have a loss of light, of truth, of revelation that comes to you from God. Another loss that comes when a Christian is committed to sin is a loss of joy. A loss of joy. Now I'm telling you, I am seeing, I've been pastoring now here for 25 years, I've been in the ministry over 30 years. And as I am in ministry and knowing people and serving people and, and talking to people and living with people, I am finding there seems to be less and less joy now in people's life than it used to be. And, and that should not be. That should not be. Now the Scripture says in Psalms 51.12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. The psalmist here, David says, When I sinned, when I fell, the joy of the Lord left me. And he says, God, I need your joy. I need that to come back into my life. And he's repenting before God. Let me tell you what, I believe a lot of the reasons why there is such of a lack of joy in people's lives is because we have not seen the seriousness of violating the law of God. We have not seen the seriousness of breaking the heart of God. We have kind of casually said, ah, the world is this bad, so if we're just but this bad, it really can't be that bad after all. Let me tell you what, we don't measure what's right by what the world is doing wrong. Isn't that, we measure by what's right from the Word of God. This is the standard. This is the plumb line. This is what we're to build our lives by. And if God tells us that we are to do A, B, and C, that is right, E, F, and G is not something we should even be toying with. We should say, Lord, this is your word. This is your desire. This is your truth. This is your heart. And I'm in a relationship with you. 
See, I'm in a relationship now going 21 plus years now with my lovely wife, Pastor Rodika. God bless me better than I could have ever blessed myself. So I, I'm ever indebted to the Lord. He's a good, good God. And uh, praise the Lord. So, and, and it just gets better and better. A marriage, it gets better and better. She gets better and better. When I met her, I thought there was no, nothing better in all the world. But she just gets better and better. And I just thank God for that. It's like, God, only you could do that. And because I love her, I don't want to do anything that breaks her heart. I don't want to do anything that upsets her. I don't want to do anything that causes her pain. I want to bless her instead of curse her. And here, God is better to me than she is. Now, she's good to me, but let me tell you what. God's better to me than she is. God's better to me than any person that has ever lived has been to me. God has saved me when I didn't deserve to be saved. God has redeemed me when I didn't deserve to be redeemed. God has lifted me when I didn't deserve to be lifted. Anybody can identify what I'm talking about here. He's a good, good God. And because I love Him, I don't want to break His heart. I don't want to violate His will. I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt Him. And when I do, and I just casually say, well, this is, this is really pretty uh, uh, mild compared to the rest of the world, you're going to lose the joy of your salvation. You're going to lose that joy of the Lord, which is our strength. For in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. There's a separation. Someone said that when sin comes. There's a separation. And, and you may say, well, God turned His back on you. No, I believe we turn our back on Him. Because we're not walking in the right path. We're choosing to walk in a different way. So, so it causes that joy to leave. I want you to be filled with the joy of the Lord. You know, I've seen people who've had much and had no joy. And I've seen people who've had little and have much joy. I would much rather be the person with less and all joy than he who or she who had more and no joy. And it doesn't go just that way. I've seen those who've had much and they've had much joy. And I've seen those who've had little and no joy. And I would rather in that case be with the one who had much with much joy than the one who had less with no joy. What I'm saying is the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is the heartbeat of the Christian walk. And to see Christians walking about so sad, so angry, so ready to tear at one another. They're like, uh, you know, they're like the dogs that go out to the park to walk and there's that one dog that wants to go over and chew the ear off of every dog there. Oh, everybody wants to get along and have a good time. But there's that one dog that is the aggressor, that one dog that is so mean that you're like, get that dog out of here. Well, you know, I, I, I've known Christians that were that one dog. And they're just looking to growl. They're looking to fight. They're looking to have their hair uh, rise up on their neck. They're just looking for something because there's no joy in them. Let me tell you why. That's a sign that there is a violation. There's a harmatano. There is a sin in their life. And, and because they've turned uh, away from the Lord, the light of His Word and the light of His truth and His joy is not evident in their life. Now the good news, if that's you, if you're the half-rabid dog that's ready to chew somebody up, you can repent. 
You can, David says, I turned to the Lord. And when I turned to the Lord, I found He had already was turned towards me. And he says, and he forgave me. He removed my iniquities away from me. He cleansed me. He lifted me. And he returned to me the joy of my salvation. Hallelujah. So you must not take sin as casual in your life. And let me tell you what, we live in a day and age where it's so easy. It is easier now to live in sin than I believe ever before that, that I can study in history because it's just promoted as the cool and the end thing to do in violating the standards that we have held so high in, in previous years. So it will cost you, whether you think you're cool or not, if you're casual with sin, it will steal your joy. It will dry it up within you because let me tell you what, the world can't give the joy like the Lord can give it. Amen. There's a song that, that uh, I've heard sung, and maybe we've sung it here before, said there's a no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Amen. So there's a party that we can have in the Spirit with God that can bring joy that doesn't leave a hangover. And it doesn't leave us with withdrawals. And it doesn't leave us having to steal for it. It's free. Jesus paid for it. It's not free. Jesus paid for it. But it's free for us to receive as a gift from the Lord. Hallelujah. Another loss when a Christian is committed to sin is a loss of love. A loss of love. See, God is love. So when we live a life violating the nature and the desire of God... We are living a life violating our, you might would say, embrace and, and understanding and ability to live and operate in the love of God. There may be this thing called love, but it's more lust of any, or anything else. There are five Greek words for love in the Bible. And one of them talks about the lust of that. Uh, uh, we, 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 porneo, we, you know, this is where pornography and all that words come from, from that Greek word porneo. Then there's a, you know, there's a, a, a storge love. There's a familia love. There's an agape love. That's the love of God. This is what we're talking about. You, you don't have the ability to conjure up agape love. You don't have the ability to walk in your own strength in agape love. But if you are connected to God and embracing Him and serving Him and living for Him and honoring Him, let me tell you what, you're connected to the vine and all the sap of that agape love starts flowing in and through you as well. So you have access to that which you never could have outside of God. But sin separates, and when sin separates, let me tell you what, it, it affects the flow of that agape love. 1 John 2, 15 and following, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are three areas we've got to be very, very careful because those are, oh, you might would say, windows in which the enemy is trying to come into our lives and get us to sin and to get us to turn our back on God. He says there is the lust of the flesh, meaning I want it. It's what my flesh wants. It's what I want and I want it now we got to be very, very careful. We need to discipline this flesh. This flesh should not call the shots. Our commitment to God and the instructions we receive from His Word should call the shots in our life. That's what a true disciple does, is one who has disciplined himself to come under the, the lordship 
and the surrender to the will of Jesus Christ. It's what salvation is. When we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, we come under His Lordship, we surrender to His will, and we now are a disciple to discipline ourselves. And when you call discipline out, that means we have to exercise discipline. Paul made a, a reference in the Scripture where he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling before the Lord. And he talks about as you work, that word work there is a word gymnos that we get our word gymnasium from. So in working out our salvation with fear and trembling, it's like going to the gym. It takes discipline. How many of you have been to the gym this year? Okay, let's, we won't go any further, okay? Because I said this year, and we're already in March, and that was not very many. But you who raised your hand, you know what? There's those that have been going to the gym in their home. Okay, okay. some of you have been to the gym in your mind. Right, okay, yes, yes, yes. But there's, uh, when we don't discipline ourselves, we, we're, we're basically being severed from the vine and the agape love of God can't flow in us and through us. Another loss that we got to be careful that happens when we are committed to sin is a loss of fellowship. A loss of fellowship. In 1 John 1, 6, he says, If we say we have fellowship with Him, Jesus, but walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. In other words, when we are committed to sin, we're casual about sin, it's going to affect our horizontal fellowship as well as our vertical fellowship. You'll say, oh no, I'm too crafty and I'm too good and I can live in sin and I can uh, 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 keep a casual about sin in my life, but yet I can still get along really good with folks around me. You think you're smarter than God who created you? God says when we walk in darkness, it affects our fellowship one with another. It begins to destroy our fellowship. And it will be destroy marriages, the fellowship of marriage. It will destroy the fellowship of our homes, which affects our children, the next generation. It affects our fellowship with the, our peers. It affects our fellowship with the, the world that we're supposed to be uniting with to bring the gospel and the goodness and the, and the blessings of God in. But now that's stopping. And it also affects our fellowship with God. He says, he says there, uh, with the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, who cleanses us from all sin. Your fellowship with Jesus Christ and His revelation and His working in and through your life is affected when you choose to be casual with sin. Again, I say we're in the 21st century and it's cool to be living in sin. It's cool to, to violate the standards of God. If God says man and woman together, it's cool to have man and man together and woman and woman together. If the Bible says a man shouldn't be married to a dog, now we got them marrying dogs. And if I'm telling you what, we're everything God said. If God says children should be protected, there are those now pushing to say there should be no age limits. And, and any aged adult could be with any aged child. Let me tell you what, they're violating the standards of God. And it'll only get worse and worse and worse. And the church, we cannot... Living in such a casual age of sinfulness, we cannot adopt that and just turn a blinded eye or just say, you know what, my sins are so small compared to the big sins. 
Remember Lockheed uh, Martin? They had that one comma in the wrong place, $70 million mistake. Let me tell you what, your one, what you call little sin, where you're just going to embrace it, you're going to celebrate it, and you're just going to keep doing it, let me tell you what, it's going to cost you. There's going to be a loss in your life. And one of the things it's going to affect is your fellowship with your fellow man and your fellowship with God. There's always a loss. There's always a cost and a loss when we embrace, casually embrace sin. Another loss when a Christian is committed to sin is, and this one here is probably, I could just talk about this one and none of the others because this one affects all the others. It's a loss of confidence which affects our faith. Now, Bible says if you don't do, what you do if it's not done in faith, it's what? Sin, right? So this one right here is too important. You cannot play with sin. You cannot embrace sin. You cannot make an excuse for sin when you know what the Word says here in 1 John 3, 19. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure for our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then we can have confidence towards God and whatever we ask we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Now, he didn't say keeping the commandments and and obeying the law was going to save you because you can't keep the commandments and you can't keep the laws to earn your salvation. We know that that is the grace gift of God giving us what we cannot do. For all have sinned. We have missed the mark, all of us. But let me tell you what, what he is saying here is if you will allow sin to be your best friend or you will allow sin to be the uh, undisciplined part of your life and you just tolerate it, it's going to steal your confidence, which affects your faith. Now you can't have faith to appropriate anything that God has for you. Here Jesus had a crown of thorns placed upon his head and his brow pierced with those three and a half razor sharp uh, thorns to shed blood, right? And we're redeemed by his blood. His precious blood redeems us, pays the ransom to get us out of bondage and bring us out of the bondage into freedom and liberty. And we're redeemed by what? The blood of Jesus and by the blood on his brow redeems us from the curse of poverty. We do not have faith to receive that and walk in that when we allow sin in our life, when we tolerate sin, when we're casual about sin. Because we we have the head knowledge that Jesus redeemed us from the curse of poverty because the curse of poverty came when he said, by the sweat of their brow, a man shall eke out an existence against thorns and thistles. But now by the blood of Jesus and those very thorns coming and shedding blood in that area to let us know that curse has been broken. Let me tell you what, we won't have confidence in that. When Jesus was in the garden and he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And he sweat great drops of blood coming against and breaking what Adam did in the garden when he says, Father, not your will, but my will be done. And they violated the command of God and they brought uh, our willpower under the curse. Let me tell you what, Jesus redeemed our willpower. Now anyone and everyone can call on the name of the Lord. Everyone who calls upon his name can be saved, the Bible says. And we know right on through where Jesus' hands were nailed to the cross. He was redeemed by the blood. The blood came out of His hand to redeem those hands that represent authority so that our authority would be given back to us over all the power of the enemy. 
Praise God. But you won't have confidence in that if you are casually allowing sin in your life. It will steal your confidence, which will affect your faith. His feet were shed blood. Their feet represent dominion. He said, everywhere the soles of your feet shall tread, that I will give it unto you. That curse that the enemy had taken our inheritance was reversed on the cross. And now where you go, you can place the sole of your feet and you can usher in the kingdom of God wherever you go but you'll not have confidence to do that and faith to do that if you're allowing sin in your life and we know they beat him in his face as they blindfolded him they said Jesus they prophesied tell us who hit you and Isaiah said he was marred beyond recognition he didn't look like a human being he was so bruised and swollen and and beaten to a pulp there and what does the Bible say we're redeemed by the blood And, and while our transgressions, there were open wounds, took care of that. The Bible says that uh, he, was, uh, he also uh, took care of our iniquity. He was wounded for our transgression and bruised for our iniquities. And the bruising is what? Bleeding under the skin. So he bled under the skin to take care of curses that pass underneath the surface, those generational curses that just pass from generation to generation to generation. He gave us the power to be free from generational curses. But you'll not have the confidence to exercise your faith to walk in the freedom from generational curses if you're allowing sin to be casual in your life. The Bible says they tied him to a post and they whipped him with 39 stripes and ripped the flesh off of his ribs and off of his sternum and off of his, off of his back and off of his body with the cat of nine tails. And with those stripes, Isaiah says, by those stripes you are healed. And Peter says, by his stripes we were healed. It's a done deal. Healing is in the atonement of Jesus Christ. But you will not have faith to appropriate that healing because you'll have a lack of confidence if you're casual with sin. Let me tell you what sin will cost you. It will cost you. It's not worth it. It hits you financially. It hits you in your health. It hits you in your relationships with your your husband, your wife. It hits you in your relationship with your children and your parents. It hits you in your relationship with your fellow man. It hits you in your relationship with God. It affects you in every area of your life. You're no longer operating in authority, but you're still living in bondage. You're not living with joy, but you're living with sadness and sorrow. You're not living in victory, but you're living in defeat. All because you don't have confidence. What happened to your confidence? He says you're casual with sin. You're tolerating sin. You are not seeing sin as what it really is. It is a violation that you're not to embrace, but you're to discipline yourself and to discipline it out of your life. And he says because you don't do that, he says you don't have any confidence. But if you do have confidence, whatever we ask, we receive from him. Now, don't you want to live that 22nd verse? Think about it. Whatever. What is that? Whatever is whatever. Whatever. Everything. Whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Because we dealt with sin, we're not going to allow this. We, we do something we know it's wrong. We're not going to say, oh, well, everybody sins every day, word, thought, and deed. It's just no big deal compared to the rest of the world. This is a little thing. Let's just keep going. No! You stop and say, God, this is not pleasing to you. God, I repent. 
God, I need your help. God, let me study your word. Holy Spirit, give me the strength and the power and, the, and, and, and sanctify me and, and cause me to rise up. We can't just make excuses. It's too easy to make excuses when it comes to sin. But we can't do that. Why? Because you lose. You lose when you tolerate sin. Another thing we lose when uh, we as a Christian, we are casual with sin, is a loss of health. What I call sozo life. Sozo life. 1 Corinthians 11 and 3 said, For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. There is talking about communion. And it's talking about communion there. It says anybody takes in an unworthy manner. And a lot of times people think, well, an unworthy manner, I'm never worthy. I mean, other than God making me worthy, I'm, I'm never worthy. But really and truly, we have to place the worth not on us, but on what the elements represent. The worth is on what Jesus did and his body and his blood has redeemed us and provided for us righteousness and provided for us healing and provided for us a long blessed life. So that's what he provided, but what does he require of us? He requires a, a love relationship with us where we are committed to him to be faithful, to be faithful. And he calls the church his bride, so it's really like a relationship between a husband and a wife. That's why that, the marriage covenant is so very, very valuable and important to God. And that's why the world has attacked it with so much vigor because it's the one thing that God says represents, it's the type, it's the mirror of His relationship or His Son's relationship with the body of Christ. That we are the bride of Christ and He's the bridegroom. So the enemy is trying everything he can to mar and to discredit and to lessen the effectiveness of the marriage covenant. Let me tell you what, a marriage covenant is a serious, serious covenant before God. Husbands, you need to take it serious. You need to take it serious. We're in a day and age where it means very little to those who are in darkness. But that's a ploy of the enemy. That's a trick of the enemy that is trying to lessen and to dismiss what God has set up to represent His heart and His love relationship with His people. So what we do, we don't want to go skating down the path that the world is going. We want to hold the standard. And we want to, we want to say, this is important to God. This is representing His relationship with us. So I'm going to discipline. My, there we go back to that word discipline. And when I hear discipline and you become a disciple and discipline yourself, I'm seeing sweat. I'm seeing effort. I'm seeing you writing down in a calendar. I'm seeing you set and schedule. I'm seeing you bring in accountability partners. Discipline is something that is very, very important and it is needed in the Christian walk. We cannot just so casually go through this life and says the world is at a 10 as far as its uh, degradation. So if I live at a 5, I look pretty good. Well, in the world's eyes, maybe you do. But that is not what God would say. Let me just go back to what I said originally when I opened up. Sin will take you further than you wanted to go. And it will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And it will always cost you more 
than you wanted to pay. Church, we cannot embrace sin as just a casual, regular part of life. We must see it as that which breaks the heart of God. We must see it as that which violates the will of God for our lives. And we must not run under our, our doctrine of grace and say, I can do anything and live any way I want and God's got it covered because that's a lie. That's a lie. Yes, the grace of God covers what you cannot cover, but He is holding us accountable and responsible to pursue Him. He never said, my grace is going to run you down and save you whether you want to be saved or not. He said it this way, whosoever will call on my name, he can be saved. He didn't say, I'm going to run you down and cleanse you and wash you and, 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 and redeem you. He didn't say that. But he said, whosoever will confess that Jesus Christ is their Lord, that they will come and surrender to His Lordship, and they will believe in their heart, exercise faith to believe that God has raised Him from the dead, that Jesus is alive, and you're in a living relationship with a living Lord. And if you will do that, that you will be saved. Let me tell you what, we have a part. We have a part in this. Amen? So let us not go to the extreme and let grace cover everything and find out in the end when we come before Him and we're saying, Lord, Lord, and He says, depart from me. I never knew you. You're like, but I did this in your name and I did that in your name. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. That is a reality the Bible talks about. So we must, we must sober up in a drunken world, in a drunken society. And I'm using drunkenness as a, as a picture where the world has gotten so far from the truth of God's Word and the standard of God's Word to this stumbling about jokes and laughter and stories and, and, and entertainment that is just celebrating, just celebrating anything against God putting pastors' programs on television where they're crooks and they're adulterers and they're thieves. And it's just the imposter. I mean, the imposter, but the imposter, you know. And everybody laughs. <laughs> That's not funny. That's not funny. Let me tell you what, there's a standard. And God's Word is going to hold us to that standard whether we like it or not. So what I say, and after knowing the goodness of God, there is no better way to live your life than to live it for the Lord. I found that He created us and He knows what makes us most happy and most blessed. And the, and the guidelines that He gives us in His Word when followed brings the greatest joy and the greatest blessings because we're operating by the Creator's manual. Let the Word of God be your plumb line. Let the Word of God be that which you build your life up to. And yes, you may have a harmataneo where you miss the mark. But repent. Don't celebrate it. Repent. Don't just excuse it. Repent. Did you know that is a 21st century reality that we need? Repentance. A godly sorrow where we're like, God, I don't want to violate your word. I don't want to do this against you. I don't want to dishonor you, Lord God. I am so sorry. And you cry before the Lord and you ask for God's forgiveness. And the grace of God is amazing and the mercy of God is amazing. And in genuine repentance, you receive both. 
There's a difference between the grace of God and the mercy of God. The mercy of God is God withholding from you something that you deserve. You deserve it. You messed up, you deserve it, but He withholds it from you. What a merciful God. And the grace of God is Him giving you something you didn't deserve. Wow. He's just going to bless you. What a blessing God we have. I pray this evening in this message as we've looked at the losses that come, the losses that come with sin when it's just casually accepted, when Christians are committed to it rather than being committed against it. You say, well, are you saying I'll never sin again? Let me tell you what. Be committed against ever sinning again. And if you do stumble, if you do fall, you're going to get right back up. And you're going to repent and keep going the right way. The right way. Put that jet back up there if you would for me there. Just remember this small little error in present day history costs Lockheed Martin $70 million because they put a comma in the wrong place in the contract. And they had to pay. So whatever your little comma is that the devil said it really doesn't matter, I'm calling you to edit your life. Review your life and see if there's a comma out of place. Where the devil told you, oh, just leave it there. It really doesn't matter. Let me tell you what, in the contract of life, it may cost you more than $70 million. But the good news is that we can come before a loving God who will forgive us and it won't cost us anything because His Son has already paid everything. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, let's stand together. Let's stand together. Hallelujah.